the full wheel chase experience. I love it. The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. Tyler Aki from ESPN 1000. Once again, college basketball is almost upon us. How excited are you for the upcoming season? Dude, less than a week away. I mean, this is like my Christmas almost. This is like yep. my Christmas Eve, it feels like, because it's it's right around the corner. You can tell it's at, you. It's like the, the Christmas music is starting to play a little bit now. Yeah. Like That's how I feel, all right? I'm starting to, to get into it. There's some preseason games, some exhibition games, some secret scrimmages that are going on right now. So no, everything's exciting because it's right around the corner. Yeah, once Halloween comes and goes, it's like peak Christmas commercials the you start hearing the music college basketball is just about here so getting right into it first off i was thinking about it earlier today and i remembered back when there used to be the 24 7 college basketball marathon it's been a few years i think since they've had that but wasn't that fun back in the day when you could just watch random games all night and morning and all day basically oh yeah I mean, it's the best. And I guess with the the way that things are streaming now, you can still get that to a degree. A lot of these yeah. games end up being put on YouTube and stuff like that, or like condensed versions of the game are put on YouTube. But I mean, it's the best. Like, And it's right around the corner because before you know it, you're going to be strapped in, or at least I will. I know not everyone's like me. In fact, most people are not like me. Um, But you strap in and your Tuesday nights become a college basketball night. Your Wednesday nights become a college basketball night. Before you know it, Big Monday is going to be here. Saturday, once football season's over, boom, you got a full slate of college basketball all day long. It's the best. Yeah, I was looking at why, or I was trying to find out why they got rid of the 24-7 marathon, and I guess it was just due to logistics. It's tough to probably have all these different, you know, random mm-hmm. schedules, so it makes sense. But And then I guess they had the Midnight Madness, like, last month in October, right? Yeah, so that's the one thing that I feel like college basketball has let slip out of their grip for some reason. I'm not sure why. They don't do, like, the Midnight Madness, the true art of it, where it's literally taking place at midnight clock strikes midnight and boom, you see the team running out of the tunnel. I wish they would bring that back because midnight madness to me was always super cool for the students. It was super cool to just see, even though it's, I mean, it's a glorified practice, but it's a cool event. It it is college basketball. It's something that I would have liked to to see them bring back. Yeah. It feels like it. I think it was October 14th and it just kind of happened without me even realizing it. It was probably on one of the, it turns into like a night session and and like not every team does it on the same day. And you kind of, it's made for TV now, I guess that's probably why they've strayed away from it. So you'll get the, the big 10 network first night, it's Indiana next night, it's Michigan, then Michigan state, the third night ACC network, you get UNC's, then you get Dukes, then you get Virginia's or whatever. And it's, it's turned into a a made for TV event. But I, I, I liked the, I would have almost like if there was a a red zone version of it, right? Like you you get ESPN or ESPN two at a midnight on on that Friday. You're just like there's nothing else on that they're using at that point. Just whip around to all the different game or all the different scrimmages and and midnight madnesses around the country. Yeah, exactly. Well, so getting right into the list of topics that I have for you. So not to put you on the spot too much, but. I'm sure you already have specific teams or players to kind of that you're watching out for as this season gets going here pretty soon. So when I just say like, what are what are some of the teams or players? And we'll go through some of the conferences. But mm-hmm. is there like a specific? Well, there it doesn't have to be a player of the year necessarily, but just someone on your radar that you're like really excited about. I'm really excited for Marcus Sasser at Houston. Houston's one of those teams. It's starting to feel like the new Gonzaga, except they play in a little bit of a better conference year to year. At least last year, the WCC was really, really strong, had four or five teams that were really quality teams, but Houston's one of those teams, super well coached. I mean, you look at what Kelvin Sampson did. I look at the what was that? That would have been the the second round games or no, maybe it was a sweet 16 game that they played against Illinois last year. And you just saw a complete out coaching from Kelvin Sampson to Brad Underwood. I mean, these guys are, they play a grit and grind style and they're starting to get some really talented players. And Marcus Sasser is going to be one of those guys preseason, all American. He's really, it, 
it's a weak year of guards. You know, last year we had some really, really talented guards headlined by, by Jaden Ivey, in my opinion, last year. But it feels like the crop of guards has gotten a little bit weaker heading into this season. And it, that means because you lose a guy like Jaden Ivey, you lose a guy like Colin Gillespie. Naturally, you're going to see that start to dip. But this year, I mean... You look at a team like Houston, I think they've got the best guard in the country with Marcus Sasser. I mean, you look at a lot of All-American teams, you're looking at three centers, a guy who's like kind of a center and Trace Jackson Davis, and then it's Marcus Sasser. He's the best guard in the country, and it's not even close right now. Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, talking about Houston, I saw, I was looking at the preseason. I mean, I know it's just preseason rankings, but for what that's worth, they had Houston ranked third, and then Gonzaga's mm-hmm. right there where you typically typically expect them. And I think when I called into one of the shows, I think you were doing, it was probably when you were hosting Blocking Up Dollar about a month or so yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called in about college basketball, and I think you said Houston was one of your top teams that you're looking uh, you're looking at for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, they've been on my radar pretty much since that game against Illinois. I mean, I was a Houston hater for the longest time. I mean, you you look at some of the, the moves that they made. Remember the COVID year? They had a chance oh, yeah. to make up some games, and they had a chance, I remember. They had a choice of playing Gonzaga or Our Lady of the Lake. And they chose to play Our Lady of the Lake, and it's like, all right, you're dodging. You're dodging. Yep. You, yep. Don't want the, you don't want the smoke. They and... And as a result, it, it kind of like, it, I don't know, it left a, a weird feeling in me for for how I viewed Houston as a team. But after seeing the way that they've performed in the AAC and in the NCAA tournament, getting to Final Fours, I, I'm all bought in. I'm all bought in on, on Houston as a legitimate team that can make some noise. And you get to a couple of Final Fours, and now all of a sudden, I, I really like this team and their prospects. And it's funny because... It's very similar to how I felt about Gonzaga. I was I was never really in on Gonzaga for a lot of those years that they were making noise and going to the Elite Eight and Sweet Sixteens and, and Final Fours and even national championship games. I was like, ah, it feels fluky. But then all of a sudden things start to turn. You get some talent infused alongside really good coaching. So I, I'm I'm in. I'm in on this Houston team. I, I'm I'm in on Houston. I'm not saying I'm out on Gonzaga per se, but I'm just more in on Houston. Well, I, I'd be cool with Houston doing something because, I mean, they've been very good, but it'd be cool if they were to maybe make a Final Four run, just to be a little bit different, yeah. different uh, team. And then, yeah, of course, Gonzaga, we know we expect them to be at least uh, probably like a 30-win regular season team, go to the tournament, have the Final Four expectations. We'll see if they can actually get over the hump, which would be going all the way for a change. But yeah. uh, Gonzaga, I, I think, they are two or four somewhere like right mm-hmm. up there, the top five anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically it's it's pretty much tournament. They're going to the tournament, right? So unless barring some kind yeah. of catastrophic thing, but uh, I mean, who's to say this isn't their year that they finally? I don't think I'm going to pick them after the last couple of years, but maybe this is the year they finally get it done. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly talent coming back there. You get a guy like Drew Timmy back, a guy that you probably thought was going to the NBA, but he's going to be back and he's going to be in the conversation for player of the year. He's going to probably be an All-American first teamer again. So, And you've got a great coach in Mark Few who's gotten to Final Fours. He's gotten to National Championship games. He just hasn't won the big one quite yet. But he's going to get there eventually. Right. And they bring in talented recruits year after year. Now, I'm intrigued by how Drew Timmy's going to match up without Chet Holmgren out there because Chet was a really special player because he could stretch the floor and he could play down low. And now that Timmy doesn't have that sort of unicorn type player alongside him, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I mean, Drew Timmy's an All American, but how does he handle that added pressure and going back? to Gonzaga and really with a a chip on his shoulder because he probably feels like two years in a row, he should have won a national championship. Yeah. I was going to ask you what kind of NBA prospect do you think drew Timmy could be? Um, it's complicated because he's one of those guys who you would have thought would have left for the league. If he really had high NBA level prospects, he would have left for the league already. And I know he went to the combine last year, 
<laughs> funny story from the from the combine is is like he he did some spin move a ref whistled him for a travel and he said the nba the league's not ready for this sauce <laughs> and and, and uh, the league is clearly not ready for him because he didn't get drafted um, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's not ready maybe the shoe's on the other foot here and he's not ready for the league but um i could see him being a guy who he may have a spot on a roster, but I don't see him being a, a guy who's going to make some long-term impact in the league. Well, I know based on uh, his interviews in the tournament last year, maybe he's got a media career in his future anyway. So. For sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. so so going conference by conference a little bit, and obviously not every conference, but a few of the main ones. So like the Big Ten, starting there. This was Gideon's question. So he said, okay. you know, how will the Illini look different this year? Do they have a chance without Kofi? So what do you think about the Illini going into this upcoming year? So Illinois is a really interesting team this year because of the fact that they have a lot of transfers coming into their program this year. They're probably like around the, in the 20 ish or so Mark uh, of teams that, that I would look at. Um, but they, they bring in Matthew Meyer who comes over from, uh, from Baylor. He won a national championship with Baylor. I mean, Illinois did some damage in the transfer portal. They also bring in Tan Sh- or Terrence Shannon, who's a Chicago guy. He went to start his career at Texas Tech. He's one of the best transfers in the country. Um, they, they're in an interesting spot. And they also got a late addition to their freshman class with Sky Clark, a guy who once upon a time was uh, committed to Kentucky decommitted and, and ends up now with the Illini. So there, there's plenty of talent on this, on this Illini roster. Um, and then you also bring back some guys who certainly have the, the potential to go out and, and be impact guy. I think a guy like Coleman Hawkins, he's got a lot of length. He can run the floor. Um, he's got size. I, I think he's a guy who's really intriguing to me. He, he's been one of those guys that people keep thinking can be, a guy that can take that next step for them. Um, and then with the transfers too. But the the always intriguing thing to me with, with transfer-laden teams is how quickly can you mesh and how quickly can you you come together. And this team lost Andre Curbelo. He goes eating transfers to, to St. John's. Curbelo was a really promising prospect for them when he was a freshman and then really fell out of favor with that entire team, with that entire program because of the way that they sort of, I mean, he was turning the ball over. He just wasn't really the guy. People liked other guys more inside that Illini locker room. Um, so I think Illinois, they're going to be in the thick of things for the for the Big Ten, but um, I, I'm not ready to, to crown. I think they've got some holes to figure out, and it could be a, a rough November and early December, maybe for the Illini. But I think once you get into the meat of Big Ten play, they'll be a really, really strong team. Without Kofi Coburn, they'll be able to manage without him, it sounds like. Um, I mean, it'll be a different team. It'll be a really different team because you're going to bring in a guy who's going to play the five for you. That's not really a, a, a traditional five. He's a little bit more of a rim runner. Kofi was more of what your traditional center. I mean, think back to nineties basketball, back to the basket. I'm going to plant my ass on the block and, and go to work down there. That's what Kofi was. He's going to get a lot of, a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, some blocks mixed in there. Um, Coleman Hawkins, isn't that, so they're going to have to learn to play a different style. Maybe not learn to play a different style of basketball, but it's going to look different to Illini fans for sure. And then I remember last year you were talking about what the Illini that they might have issues down the road in terms of like recruiting right because they lost some assistant coaches so yeah has that already have you seen that start to be an issue yet or maybe not yet not really i mean the funny thing is is they lost coaches to kentucky and what do you know one of one guy transfers from kentucky or not transfers commits to kentucky and then decommits and goes to illinois i think it's going to be a little bit different um, but you look at what they what they did in the transfer portal. That to me is the biggest thing for this Illini team. They also got Dane Danya, um, who was also a Baylor guy too. So they they're 
getting some transfers from some really good programs. Terrence Shannon's one of the best transfers in all of college basketball. Matthew Meyer is one of the best transfers in all of college basketball, was an integral part of Baylor's national championship team. I think a lot of people were shocked that he transferred out of Baylor. He was so beloved down there in Waco. Um, but he's going to be beloved by these Illini fans as well. And there's going to be an adjustment period, I think, for them. But eventually, I think they'll they'll figure it out and be a pretty good team. Uh, so you said Illinois would be right in the thick of it. Are you still looking at teams like Michigan and Purdue and who knows? Uh, some of yeah, those top, so I, the main teams to be up in the up in the top there. I think you'll see Purdue certainly drop off. You'll lose a lot of talent there. You still have Zach Eady, who's the the seven four behemoth that is the most traditional Purdue player of all time. But you lose Jaden Ivey, who was the motor for that team. And you lose Travion Williams, who, I mean, a lot of eyes are certainly going to be on the fact that Jaden Ivey's gone. But Travion Williams did so much for that team. He was a facilitator. He was a rim runner. He was a defender. Um, he could do a lot of things for Purdue that, quite frankly, I don't know how you you replace that. He was a leader on that team. He was uh, a senior for them. And then you had one of, if not the best guard in the country last year in Jaden Ivey as well. So that that's a lot to replace. A lead guard along with a veteran center who is kind of a do-it-all guy. Like Travion Williams reminds me a lot of what Joakim Noah meant to the Bulls and to Florida. It's It had that vibe to it there. And that's not going to be easy to replace. I think the team that you're really looking at to win the Big Ten is in Indiana who brings back a lot of a lot of guys and including Trace Jackson Davis and I think that um Mike Woodson's done a good job of of kind of building something there at Indiana um they certainly have uh some of the pieces that they're going to need this year it's just going to be who's going to step up around him I don't think the Big 10's nearly as strong as as in years past but they've got some good players on there they bring back a lot of guys too. They bring back Xavier Johnson. Miller Cop is a, a guy who's certainly intriguing. Race Thompson. But these guys have to take a step. If these guys aren't taking a step, then Indiana is not going to win the Big Ten. Um, they also have a very intriguing freshman as well, Jalen Hood Shafino, who's been playing pretty well in the preseason too. So there, there's a lot of intriguing names on this Indiana team, but you're going to need to see them take that next step in their development. It can't just be were Trace Jackson Davis or bust because that'll work some nights in the big 10, but it's not going to work every single night. And it's not going to work if you want to be a big 10 regular season champion. And it certainly won't work if you want to be a big 10 tournament champion. So in the ACC, obviously no more coach K with Duke as he is. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Maybe he'll resurface somewhere or in Duke or something, but uh, at least for now, um, John Shire is the, coach uh at duke right now unc is a preseason number one uh so i think you were saying also you were high on on the tar heels last year um i think you're probably still high on them but maybe not as high as you were last season but now it's super davis the second year behind the helm or at the helm in north carolina uh and then you know just acc in general so do you do you expect much of a duke drop off without coach k will they even be maybe better or will that really be immaterial when you consider who they have maybe on the roster, things like that. I think it's going to come down to how well does John Shire play the bad cop role? Because I think when you look at recruiting, there's good cops and bad cops. And and the good cops are usually the guys that are doing a lot of the legwork on the recruiting trail and telling a lot of these players, the things that they want to hear. And then it's the head coach that ultimately plays the bad cop role and is the one that ultimately delegates the minutes determines who's a captain determines who's starting um, really determines your outlook as a, as a college player and potential NBA prospect. Now, John Shire has got to play that role. And I mean, John Shire is one of the nicest guys in the world. I don't know if he has it in them and that's not a necessarily a bad thing. All right. I think he's going to be a really good coach, but it's just, it's surprising to see a guy like that with that demeanor, be the head coach of the Duke blue devils right now. And I mean, he's going to bring in recruits. He's got a, an amazing recruiting class. I mean, it, it's top 10 guy after top 10 guy after top 10 guy on that team. But, um, I mean, UNC brings back a team that was well ahead in the first half of the national title game and nearly came away with yet another title for the Tar Heels. But um, 
a lot of people are comparing UNC to, to UCLA um, from a year ago because it's the the double digit seed or, or a high seed that that makes it to the final four, makes this unprecedented run. I mean, UNC wasn't a, a double digit seed; they were a, a, they were in the eight nine matchup, but they make that unprecedented run to the final four, and it's just like, all right, is this just going to be a flash in the pan? I mean, UCLA was good last year. Like, let, let's not forget that UCLA went to the Elite Eight and lost to the to this. Uh, ironically, the, the Carolina Tar Heel team. So, um, I, I I still think this is a really high ceiling for for UNC. I mean, you don't go into the preseason rank number one for nothing there. Right. Um, yeah. I'm 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 still high on them. I think that they're bringing back a ton too. I mean, you look at uh, what they lost out of their their starting five. They lost Brady Manick, who was a huge piece for them in the regular season. And I mean, quite frankly. He's going to go down as a Carolina legend, Be- even though he was only there as a grad transfer for one season. People in Chapel Hill love that dude. When this Final Four team is brought back and recognized, Brady Mannix is going to get the loudest ovation of all these guys. No doubt in my mind about it. But they're replacing him with Pete Nance, and that's a pretty good guy to to replace him with. He's he's coming over from Northwestern, where he played a really big role, averaged almost 15 points per game, six rebounds. Um, was one of the better players in the Big Ten and was a star on that team, but he doesn't have to be the star anymore. And I think when he's got some of the the focus taken off of him a little bit, he can thrive even more. And, I mean, he's got pedigree. His, his dad's Larry Nance Sr., his brother's Larry Nance Jr. There's NBA pedigree there. I think Pete Nance is going to have a really, really strong season. And he can shoot the three ball. He shot the three 45% last year. So he's going to help space out the floor much like Brady Manick did last year. What do you think about Syracuse? Uh, they're young, very young team this year. Um, and I think you're going to see Bayheim switch things up a little bit, um, to a degree. They lose some important pieces like buddy Bayheim, uh, Cole Swider. They lost a lot of shooting from a year ago, and I don't know how they're going to necessarily replace some of that shooting. Um, they do bring in a, a freshman in Judah Mintz, who some people think may be the best pure scorer in the class. Um, and, but it's always a little puts you on edge a little bit when you've got a true freshman at point guard, they're moving their point guard from last year, Joe Girard to the two. He's a lot more comfortable as a catch and shoot guy. And in that two guard role, um, Samir Torrance was a guy who last year really came into his own. He was averaging about a double double with points and assists by the end of last season. Um, and albeit a very small sample size, but he was playing his best basketball in the ACC tournament. So if Mintz struggles, they're going to have a guy that they can turn to at least. There's just a lot of athleticism here. Defensively, they're going to be a much better team. Last year, they were one of the worst teams defensively. This year, I think their defense is going to be better than their offense. They play the 2-3 zone. I think you'll see them mix in some man. Um, and then they lost Jesse Edwards. They're a guy who is ticketed to be an all ACC center. They lost him to a wrist injury at a really untimely point. I think it was in February last year, mid early February. And that kind of derailed him. But he was a guy who took maybe the biggest step of anyone in the ACC last year, up until that injury, they bring him back. He's a really talented shot blocker, um, really good around the post, uh, really good with his finesse moves. He was a really uncoordinated guy at the beginning of his career, but he's certainly shored some of that up. Excellent shot blocker and rebounder as well. And then the key to the season here is Benny Williams. They're five-star sophomore. He was a five-star freshman, really disappointed last year, but he had a couple flash games where he looked really good in that Duke game. The last Duke game that they played of the year, he was fantastic, had a career high. I think it was like 14 points. Um, and just kind of showed why he should be a five-star prospect. And he started to play with a little more confidence at the end of the year. If he plays like that this season, this Syracuse team is going to go to the NCAA tournament and probably could get to the second weekend. Well, in typical Syracuse fashion, they'll have like, uh, you know, they'll have their good spurts in the season, lose right. some games, and then they'll go on a run in the tournament because they always mm-hmm. do. Uh, talking about a team that... Uh, their defense is better than their offense is UVA. Last season, they were 342nd in the country in terms of points scored, uh, I guess, per game, 62.4 points per game. So <laughs> do you think Virginia, um, 
I don't necessarily think they're going to be an offensive juggernaut by any means, but Mm -hmm. what do you think about the style? I mean, obviously, Tony Bennett's won there. He had so much success there, but I mean, they got to get the offense going at some point, right? They do, and I think that they they brought in some guys. They brought in some transfers, including Ben Vanderplas coming in from Ohio, an Ohio team that beat them in the tournament a couple years ago. He can shoot the rock, um, and they're really depending on some of these guys to step up shooting-wise. It's a very veteran team, which I think is important because when you look at the Virginia team that won it all a couple years ago, that was a super veteran team that brought back a lot of pieces, that saw some of the heartbreak uh, of of the NCAA tournament. Kihei Clark's back. I don't know how, but he is. Um, they're bringing back Jaden Gardner. I mean, their entire starting five's back from a season ago. I think that's certainly something to to look out for. But they're going to have to shoot the three ball better. If they don't, if they're not a better three point shooting team, they're just going to be kind of what they were from a season ago. Maybe they squeak out a few more wins against a younger ACC this year, um, just because they are the veteran laden team. But I, I, if they want to make noise in the tournament, they're going to have to be a much better three-point shooting team. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember with K.A. Clark last year, I feel like he had these games where offense just didn't want to, the offense wasn't clicking whatsoever. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he had games where he had no points, but, you know, he was doing other things. Um, are you Were you surprised? I, I mean, you just mentioned it, but, like, were you surprised that he didn't go to get drafted or maybe he could benefit from another year in college? I think I mean he's he's five foot ten and a defensive specialist. There's is really not a spot for that sort yeah. of guy in the NBA. Um, but I, I think that Kihei Clark's a guy who every college program would want because he is a guy who plays bigger than his size, even though he's five foot ten, and he's got the defensive heart of a lion. And the way that he plays on the defensive end of the floor, he disrupts what guards want to do. And in a sport where point guard play is so paramount, when you can shut down the guy on the other side, you're going to have a chance, especially at the pace that Virginia plays. Virginia is not going to get blown out. Now, they're also a team that's not going to really mount a lot of comebacks on you either, but you're always going to have a chance in a game like that. Kia Clark's one of the guys that he kind of neutralizes what's going to be a strength. Like, take the best team in the conference, all right? UNC, preseason number one, preseason favorite to, to win the ACC. Kihei Clark can take away one of their key cogs in Caleb Love and shut him down. And we saw how good Caleb Love was in the NCAA. He, he won that Tar Heel team games in the NCAA tournament with his streaky shooting. If you put Kihei Clark on him and he shuts him down, you give yourself a chance against the number one team in the country right there. So... They're, they're, they're just going to have to be a, a better three-point shooting team. And the defense is just going to have to be better, too. Like, we're used to this amazing Virginia defense. They weren't that last year. Right. I, I don't have the, the exact numbers in front of me right now, but I'd have to look at what their Ken Palm was. I'd imagine their Ken Palm defensive numbers was at about the worst it's been in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at the points, I guess the points allowed per game, they were sixth, giving up 60 per game. But yeah, they weren't as good as we've seen them. Uh, I remember it was coined, the I think it was like the Tony Bennett game or whatever, when they could keep teams under at least 50. And there were times, I think, where they kept teams under 40 also. I mean, right. like a couple of years ago, not recently. Uh, and then, yeah, but, but the three points per game, 350th in the country with five three-pointers per game. So that will definitely have to improve. No doubt. I mean, they, they're a team that here, I'm actually, I'm now intrigued by by where their defense ranked a season ago. So they're, uh, oh, okay. Oh, wait, that no, that's looking ahead here. Um, so they were 59th in defensive of, uh, efficiency, according to Ken Palm. And I'm just taking a quick little peruse here. That's the worst they've had since 2011. Um, so the, it's the worst they've had in, in 11 years there. And, and by a pretty significant margin, I mean, this is a team that's used to being in the top 10, top five. And, and I mean, for a lot of years, they finished one or two defensively and they just weren't that team last year. Looking at the SEC, uh, so Tennessee had a pretty big year last year, knocking out my Longwood Lancers in the tournament. <laughs> Auburn well, was up there. Uh, Kentucky, of course, is up there, and I just saw where 
Calipari said that Kentucky is not ready to go as the uh, preseason number four, but I feel like he's always yeah. saying stuff like that early yeah. in the year. Um, yep. But yeah, so Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, are you expecting those those usual suspects right there to uh, uh, you know be up there? Is Alabama going to be better than last year? What are you looking at there? So I think Auburn takes a dip. You lose a guy like Jabari Smith, and you bring back some of the guys that I think maybe took away from Jabari Smith a little bit. Um, Kentucky's going to be great. You bring back the the player of the year, and Oscar Shibway. You don't see that, and and that that to me just kind of shows you what NIL has done for the sport. If, if NIL is not intact, Oscar Shibway's gone. He's going to the league. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think that. There's a couple of really intriguing teams in the SEC. Tennessee is another team that defensively has always been very strong. They bring back a lot of key pieces from a season ago. Arkansas is going to be really good. I think Alabama's going to Alabama's got a lot of really talented freshmen this year. Um, so I'm intrigued by by all that. But I, I Kentucky's going to be really good, but I, I really like this Tennessee team. They locked down defensively. They're a team that I really liked last year. I think I picked them to go to the final four last year. Um but and obviously that got cut short when they lost to Michigan in the the ACC or in the NCAA tournament. But there there's just a lot of different factors that that go into what what can happen in the SEC. Like, I mean, can Arkansas take that next step? I think this is one of the better coached conferences in college basketball. Um, when you look at Eric Musselman, Todd Golden's a guy who's really intriguing. He's coming over from San Francisco um, and, and is going to be a first-year coach with, with Florida. And he built up that San Francisco program really well. Some people think he could be the, the, the coach of the year in the conference, especially if Florida has a really good year. Um, but there, there's six new head coaches in the SEC um, this season. So it, there's a lot of turnover, but there's still a lot of really good coaches. I think Nate Oates is really good. Rick Barnes, especially in the regular season, really good. Bruce Pearl, fantastic. So there's a lot of really intriguing teams in this, in this SEC. I don't think they'll be the, the, the leader in terms of getting teams into the tournament. But when we get to the sweet 16, you could see them being one of the leaders in terms of having the most sweet 16 teams. Yeah, you know, just thinking about with the ACC, they had a they had a really good run in the tournament last year after kind of a yeah. weird, mediocre regular season. It felt like, and I remember Arkansas had a nice run as well, didn't they, for the SEC? Yeah, I mean, Arkansas is always one of the, those really scrappy teams that it's funny because they kind of change their identity at times. They'll go from really getting after it and trying to run on you, and then you get some some teams that will revert back to more defensive ways. Um, just looking at, at what they bring to the table this year, they're going to be a young team. They're projected to start three freshmen on this on, on opening night. They lost a lot of really important players. Um, I mean, just looking through, they, they're losing four double-digit scores from a season ago, and they're also losing Chris Likes, who was a double-digit score before he transferred to Arkansas from Miami. So they're going to – but that's the thing. They've been able to go out and recruit really well. So can can those guys mesh quickly? It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if I don't know if they're tournament ready, if that makes like this could be a team that gets upset early. But the great equalizer is Eric Musselman and he coaches his guys really well. Dave Farley's uh, Arizona Wildcats, West Coast Biases, UCLA Bruins, Pac 12. I remember a couple of years ago. It was like Oregon was just killing it, and then they got beat up by I want to say was it Iowa in the tournament? And then last year Oregon had a really down year. So well, no, they actually beat Iowa in the tournament a couple of years ago. That was yeah. Luca Garza's. Team. Oh, they beat Iowa, right? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So with with the Pac-12, what what do you think about the makeup out there? Um, I look at there's a couple of of storylines here. UCLA, first of all brings back a lot of really talented players. Once again, they're probably one of the best blends of talent and experience in the conference. Um, just looking, I mean, they, they'll have the preseason player of the year in Jaime Jaquez, who has been really, really good. Uh, Tiger Campbell's back for a redshirt senior year. They have one of the most talented freshmen in the country and Amari Bailey. Um, and then you you have some other guys that can come off the bench and help you a little bit, but they've got some they've got some good freshmen on their team. Arizona's 
interesting to me because they lost a lot of guys to the NBA, including a guy that the the Bulls drafted, Dalen Terry, um, who a lot of people think could be really, really good. But they also lost uh, Ben Matherin, top 10 pick, who I think could be the rookie of the year in the NBA. Um, it, I think it could end up coming down to, to him and Paolo. Um, Christian Coloco, who is a really, really strong interior presence, um, but they've got they've got a nice little substitute for Coloco with Amur, Amur uh, Balo, who seven foot, built built like Adonis, and can block any shot in the gym. Um, and they've got some guys who really need to find consistency. Uh, Kirk Kreisa was a guy who last year it felt like shot Arizona out of some games. Now, he also could shoot them into some games as well, but you talk about a, a guy who was never lacking for confidence. Kirk Creasa was that guy, um, but he's going to have to learn to be more consistent. He was a 33% three-point shooter a season ago. If he can become that consistent piece, especially at the point guard position, they'll be in a good spot. They also bring over Courtney Ramey from Texas. Um, Tommy Lloyd, I think, is a fantastic coach. He is one of the up-and-coming guys. If you talk to people within college basketball circles, a big reason why that Gonzaga program could go was Tommy Lloyd, not just on the recruiting trail, but also as a coach as well and a talent developer. And he's got that task. Once again, this is an older team too. I mean, you look at the starting lineup for, for Arizona, everyone's a junior or older. You've got Courtney Ramey, the transfer I mentioned, he's a fifth year guy. And then Amora Ballo, who is a redshirt junior. So you've got a ton of experience. Um, and I think Pell Larson's another guy to to look at as he needs to be able to, to take that next step. If he can be sort of like a breakout type player in the Pac-12 and become an all-Pac-12 first teamer or, or a high second team, then you're looking at a really, really strong Arizona team. In the Big East, so uh, Jay Wright has retired. Kyle Neptune takes over there. Any drop-off of Villanova or a team like Villanova within that conference? Yeah, I think there definitely is, is some drop-off coming up, up for uh, for Villanova. And it's not just because you're losing Jay Wright. That's obviously a huge, huge part of it. But losing Colin Gillespie, too, that's, that's not going to bode well, I think, for this Villanova team, where are they going to find it? Now, they still bring back a number of players from a really, really good team from a season ago. Caleb Daniels is a guy that I really like. Um, but that's a team that that loses its leader, and they kind of lose the engine as well. They lose the driver and the engine, in my opinion. When you look at lose, losing Jay Wright, unexpectedly retiring, and and I think he's going to be fantastic, but he's doing a lot of the CBS coverage this year. I think he's going to be fantastic. Jay Wright is, I mean, and, and we get to see the return of Jay Wright in a suit. I mean, what, what's better than that? Um, and then Colin, losing Colin Gillespie too, I think really hurts this team as well. Um, but they're going to bring in Chris Archidiacono. Can he be a guy that, um, that sort of steadies the ship for them? They also have a really talented young guy in Cam Whitmore too. So we'll see what happens at Villanova, but I think it could be Rocky Waters early on. Who do you like coming out of the Big East? Who do I like? I love Creighton, actually. I love I like I think I think Creighton could be a team that wins it all this year. Certainly could be a team that gets to the final four. Um, they bring in a or I should say they bring back a really talented group that was finding their stride at the end of the year. They were really young last year. Ryan Nemhard was a freshman. Trey Alexander was a freshman. Arthur Kaluma was a freshman. And they bring all these guys in and or bring all these guys back and they can shoot the lights out on you too. I'm really excited to see what this team can do. And they bring in Baylor Shireman, who is this crafty sort of, he, he can kind of do it all for you type of player. He's a transfer from South Dakota State. I think that he's going to be one of these revelations within the Big East this season. I'm really excited to see this Creighton team. I, and I think Greg McDermott's a really good coach too. Um, but I, I, I like Creighton a lot. I've got a ticket on them to to win the entire thing as well. Um, I can't remember exactly what odds I got. I think it was like in the neighborhood of 40 to one, but they're, they're a top 10 team in the preseason. 
I think they're going to be one of the final eight or so standing when it's all said and done. That was one of the teams that you gave me on the radio a couple of weeks ago was, was Creighton being one of those top teams, I think, alongside Houston. So I was mm-hmm. I was a fan of that just because, again, it's different. It'd be cool to see Creighton do something like that. They've, they make the tournament, it seems, pretty often, but to see them make a deep run would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that struggles to get to that second weekend, and they did it two years ago. But this year they had uh, this past year, I thought they really had a chance to to make a run. Um, but I think ultimately their their youth proved to be a little too much. Um, but Ryan Nemhard's a guy that I really like, and I think he can take a, a pretty big step and really steady this team. And, and if he can't, I think Baylor Shireman's a guy who he's a bigger guard, but he's a facilitating guard. He had a fantastic kind of like behind the head pass the other day in a in an exhibition game. So I think he's gonna bring a little flash and flair to this team. Obviously, last year, St. Peter's just was the story of the tournament, at least one of the main stories of the tournament. So I guess like if you could if you could pick a team that could maybe be a team like that in the tournament or whatever surprise team, who could that be for you? You know, it's 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 really I know. Yeah, it's tough to say um, just because there's so many. um, I think it's going to be really tough this year because the the amount of talent that is coming back and I think largely in part to NIL we may not see as many Cinderella type stories. Like we're obviously going to see it. It's a one and done style tournament format, but we may not see as many. It may be not necessarily to say it's going to be a chalkier tournament, but I think you're going to see like the top four teams or like you'll see a team that's sort of built like a UNC or a UCLA from a year or two years ago be one of those teams. I'm, I'm trying to give you a good example of who that team might be, but may, maybe it could be like a Virginia who gets in a tournament as like an eight seed and goes out and makes a run or something like that. So um, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for you on who could be that super um, unlikely team like the St. Peter's just because I think it, it's way too hard to predict and you're just kind of throwing darts at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think but if, you, I if, at- if I need to, if I need to, I'll give you one by a guy who's co- who's one of the three best coaches, not just in college basketball, but in all in the entire sport of basketball. I'll give you the Iona Gales, led by Rick Pitino. Oh, of course, Rick Pitino. Yeah, that's right. That's true. It would be uh, it would be interesting if they did something. Um, and then Shaheen Holloway went to Seton Hall. So, mm-hmm. do you expect uh, what's Seton Hall's situation? Are they kind of like a bubble tournament team? Seton Hall right now, I mean, they're, they're a team that's sort of going to be in a little bit of flux just because you're bringing in um, a new coach. But the thing about what, what Holloway did and what you see a lot of, of these um, coaches that, that come in, they'll take some of their guys in as well. They brought in uh, Casey and Defu. But whenever you bring in a new coach, you always have to worry about what's the roster overhaul going to look like and what's recruiting going to look like, especially when the guys coming from a mid-major program like St. Peter's and like St. Peter's was not good in the regular season. Oh, yeah. They they were like, they were like one of the worst teams in the sport. They were under 500. Yeah. Yeah. They caught a heater in their conference tournament, made it. And then they caught a heater in the NCAA tournament, completely changed their identity and and captured the hearts of of America. But they've got a lot of, um, they got a lot of uh, transfers on this team. I'm, I'm counting them up right now. They are some power five transfers. Like you're bringing Alamir Dawes from Clemson. He was really good last year. I liked him a lot. Um, you're bringing in uh, Femi Odukale from Pitt, Dre Davis. So you're bringing in actually a lot of physical guys, but you're also bringing in guys from schools that people have never heard of too. One of the guys that's transferring in, Jaquan Sanders, uh, or actually I should say these these guys are coming from high school. Um, so their freshman class is certainly going to be interesting this year, but I like their point guard, Kadari Richmond. He's a guy who actually transferred from Syracuse a couple of years ago, um, but he's just one of those long physical guys on the perimeter. He's going to be one of the best defensive players in the Big East. The, the problem with him is, can he give you 40 minutes of effort? And for a guy who's one of the best defensive players in the Big East, last year he averaged 26 minutes a game. You want those guys to be able to to average you somewhere in the neighborhood of 33, 34. And if you're a really thin team, you'll see them in conference play be playing 37, 38 minutes a night. And I don't know if he's got that in him right now. 
How about Longwood? They're on your radar now because I've I've bugged you enough about them. But uh, you have you are have. you seeing are you seeing like because I know uh, in the Big South it's uh, I'm throwing a team out there Winthrop for instance that's been in the tournament before and has you know typically been pretty good and some other teams in that conference. But uh, I don't know if you've kept up with Longwood or not. But do you see them maybe being a you know another team that I mean they were pretty good last season and obviously got into the tournament as a what were they have 14, I want to say, against Tennessee. So what do you think about Longwood this year? I like the coach. Griff Aldrich's a great story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the thing about it is in these conferences, can you do it again? Because the thing about these mid-major conferences is sometimes you see them pop up every four years. Yeah, a team will pop up every four years, and they'll kind of struggle because they just had a super experienced group. They caught lightning in a bottle. With, the, with a senior class, and it allowed them to thrive. We'll see if Longwood – I'm looking through – okay, so let's see. Looking through their, their roster right now, I mean, they kind of have the formula to do it again. You don't lose a lot of players. Now, you do lose a guy, Justin Hill, who averaged 14 points per game for you last year, but you look at – I'm looking at the starting lineup right now. Grad, 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 junior, junior. You got two seniors that are going to be significant pieces off the bench. A couple juniors that are going to come off the bench. That's what you, I mean, this team doesn't have a single freshman on it. <laughs> they, they didn't go out and recruit. They just brought in a couple of transfers. So um, they, they could be a, a, a team that does it again and, and, and takes the big South. Yeah, that's right. Justin Hill went to Georgia, and if I'm not mistaken, they were awful last season, so they could probably use Georgia, him. And they fired their coach, too. They fired Tom oh, yeah. Crean. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. Is he anywhere now, or is he just out of coaching right now? I believe he's out. I wouldn't think I, he's I think he's doing right media now. right now. I that think he's sense. doing media right now. Uh, before the very last question I have for you, is there any obscure team or player or conference that we didn't talk about that you're just pumped about? For this season, um... Obscure player or doesn't have to be obscure, team. but it could just be anyone that we didn't talk about that you're just like this guy or this team. You know, I like the way TCU played last year. TCU, um, and, and that's not necessarily like they're not like an obscure team, but last year, I, I mean, they had, um, they had the uh, that Arizona team in their grasp, and they could have pulled that one out. But I like the way that Jamie Dixon coaches that team. He always was a thorn in the side of a lot of Big East and ACC teams. Now he's going and coaching at his alma mater. It's taken him a little bit to find his footing. But I like TC. I just like the way. I, I, I liken it a little bit to, to why I like Houston. I just like the style of play and how it reflects on the coach. And that's what TCU is with Jamie Dixon. Yeah. Uh, do you have your final four or championship, uh, set up? Um, okay. Let me, let me, if I pull, pull up a list of teams here, I'll, I'll be able to give you a final four. I think Houston's there. I, I brought up, uh, Creighton earlier. I think they're going to get there. Um, I think we'll see North Carolina get there. And then there's probably going to be a weird team up. I'll go with uh, with UCLA. I think UCLA can get there as well. Um, those are four teams that I, I really like heading into this year because UCLA is going to be a, a combination of really good coaching with Mick Cronin. You're going to have one of the best players in the sport with Jaime Jaquez. Um, and again, it's all sort of a crapshoot here, but I think UCLA could be one of those teams and, and they bring in some really talented freshmen too. And, and one thing I'll say too about freshmen, freshmen in the Pac-12 – for some reason, are way better than freshmen elsewhere littered across the country, too. Like, you look at a lot of NBA drafts and the one-and-done talent, like, yeah, okay, Duke's got theirs, Kentucky's got theirs. If you look at the the, school, the amount of schools that send one-and-done talent, it's the Pac-12. The Pac-12, for some reason, has these guys ready for the NBA. I'm not sure why, but Pac-12 players one and done type talents and they, and UCLA has got one with Amari Bailey. They're just really, really good. I mean, look at last year, Ben Matherin was fantastic. I don't think Ben Matherin was on a ton of radars as a guy who'd be a top 10 draft pick, but he rose to stardom. He powered that 
Arizona team, and look at him now. He's he's going to be one of the better rookies in the NBA this year. It's probably the hot weather out there. It's just nice all the time. They can just go outside and shoot hoops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. So does, does Houston win it all for you or Creighton win it all for you of those four? I'm going to take Houston. Okay. Uh, I really like the way that they play. They play, uh, they get a lot of offensive rebounds. They're a physical team. I think they're they're going to be smarter this year too. One thing that that always can be troublesome with Houston is they foul a lot. So not only are you giving your opposition free points, but you're you're compromising some of your players' abilities to stay in the game as well. I think Kelvin Sampson's smart enough coach. He's still going to preach physicality, but this could be the year they kind of put it together where it's a blend of IQ and physicality. You think Iowa and USC will be good this year for Black and the Carcinos? I mean, Iowa. I was gonna need um, Murray, the the other Murray, to really step up this year. I mean, losing Keegan Murray is not easy. It's Chris Murray is gonna have to take a big, big leap this year. Um, as for US, USC, um, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about them this year. They haven't really been on my radar. Um, but uh, anything can go in the Pac-12. You never know. Like the Pac-12 is weird. Pac-12 is weird every year. You never know who's going to be good. You never know who's going to come back. I mean, they they do bring back a couple of, of really good pieces. Um, they bring back Boogie Ellis, who I liked when he was at Memphis. Drew Peterson's a really good shooter. I mean, this team can shoot. Just, just looking at some of the numbers that I've got in front of me right now, this team can shoot. Oh, they, they do have a guy who transferred into their program last year that I really like. Joshua Morgan came in from, I believe it was Pepperdine. Um, it was one of those those West Coast schools. 6'11", long, uh, can can do a little bit of everything, can block some shots. I like him as a, a, a big off the bench. Um, and then they've got a couple of good freshmen too. So a couple top 50 freshmen. So USC awesome. could be all right. Well, we've got it all down. So we'll compare notes uh, in March to see how it all shakes out. Thanks again for chatting some college hoops. And uh, yeah, as always, it's a pleasure. Anytime, Will. Appreciate it. <laughs>